This is Company, I'm Sky Manson. Today's guest, Dimity Brazzle, decided one day that she would interview her mum to try and capture insights and memories from her long life. She loved it so much that she decided to develop her own entrepreneurial business, A Lasting Tale, as a result. This business offers professional interviews for people who think that their parents their aunties, their uncles, their grandparents, their great-grandparents or even themselves have a lifetime of stories to share. It's oral histories in the making. I think family history, especially when it's in the spoken word, has an ability to deeply touch those who consume it. Can you imagine listening to your loved ones speak years after they have left this earth? I think what a treasured gift that could be, an heirloom and a legacy all in one. Well, this is the work of Dimity Brazel and her business, A Lasting Tale. She spends her time interviewing and recording personal oral histories of people all over Australia. She lives in Albury, and although most of her work is centred around this location, Dimity hopes one day A Lasting Tale will have people working and recording in communities all over Australia. A Lasting Tale, uh, Sky, is basically a professional audio interview service to record the life stories of people with stories to share. So basically, we record audio life stories as a private podcast and a private audio interview of People generally aged over about 70, 75, people who have a great life story to share or just a humble life story to share, anybody. We're engaged uh, primarily by their families and we go out and we sit in their homes or, or in a safe space and we talk them through the story of their life. I feel a little bit like my I'm like drooling over this. It is just <laughs> sounds like the most wonderful job and what a good service and I've actually often thought about about doing it when did you come up with the idea for this well I started a lasting tale it's been going for nearly four years now actually uh, which is getting to be a pretty long time I think it's one of those things where you know, sometimes you need to have a personal sense of loss to identify that you're not going to hear someone's voice again. So about a decade ago, I, my father and my elder sister, they both died in short succession. And, and so obviously that was a bit of a interesting time. And a few years after that, I decided to record my elderly mother's own story. And I realized then that once 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 someone has died, you, you you do start to forget things about them and and that the voice is something that goes first. It's actually true that the first thing you forget is the sound of someone's voice. So I thought let's go and um, record mum and use my you know skills as a writer and um, producer and educator and and go and interview her properly and ask her questions. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it with a mic. I'm going to do it like a podcast. It was about just at the time when podcasts got really popular, you know, and so I'd been listening to a lot. And so I went and I went and interviewed mum as just a, a, a kind of personal thing and I edited it and I 
put it together with my skills and people started to say I wish I could do that but I wouldn't know how to start I don't know what questions to ask they got really tensed out about the gear so then I just went through a learning process of how can I help people to record the life stories of their loved ones so I didn't mention that I also have developed a mobile app it's absolutely doesn't cost you anything and that's got 10 questions that you can ask while you're recording somebody using your own telephone I also sell additional life story questions at a really low price so so you can also do it yourself. And then I, I realized as well that many people didn't want to do it themselves or that it's scary to interview your mum or your dad and, and you often procrastinate on it. It's a really normal thing to do. And, um, and so I realized that actually people were looking for a more premium service where they could get a professional to do it for them. So I just started it from there and now I've done over 90 professional interviews and done community projects with the libraries and in aged care homes again and with school children and it's really just growing from that moment of seeing that there was a need that other people didn't have, have the confidence or the skills that I had to record their life stories. I can imagine there's a huge demand for this kind of stuff is there? I mean, I think probably people didn't know there was a demand, but once there's this good service there, then they take it up. Well, it's one of those things, Sky, where, yes, that's right. So what 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 is a hurdle with a lasting tale is that you're also educating a market. There is a demand, absolutely, but we have had to build our profile about that demand over years. I think people don't understand as well that, you know, there are public podcasts that you can listen to all the time, but there, there is such a thing as private podcasts, which you can share privately with people that are not public. People, particularly the people we interview, get nervous that it's going to be put all over the airwaves just like this and that anybody can access it. So it's actually about educating the market. And I have noticed in the last four years that there is much more customer awareness over things like this. There are more people doing things like a lasting that they were not in existence four years ago, which I think shows that there is an absolute market. Demand has really skyrocketed in the last six months. Uh, COVID kind of slowed it down, particularly as with older people, it's often better to do it face-to-face. So, so Zoom interviews we do offer, but it is can be really more challenging. And so the demand has really increased in the last six months. And I think I, I think COVID did something for a lasting tale. It slowed down the initial rollout, but it made the heart of knowing that this had to happen. It made that much more in the forefront mm. of everyone's mind. So, 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 so one of the hurdles that I've had to face is to not give up. We've had stops and starts. When you're interviewing, say, somebody who is 85, you need to be patient and listen. And I've had to exercise that same patience in keeping a lasting tale going and stronger. So tell me the process, Dim, of of how you do an interview. What's the process? Someone gets in contact with you and then what happens after that? Someone gets in contact with me, normally a family member. It's normally the daughter or son of an elderly person we it is normally elderly people who they get in contact for many reasons 
say, you know, they might notice that their parent is getting more frail, there might be a diagnosis um, that they'd like to get their story recorded, often of, say, early stage dementia or cancer or or just general frailty. They might have lost somebody before and realised that they would like to get their parent's story. They get in touch and then we have, uh, I have a talk with them and we uh, find out their parents' needs, what they want the interview for, and then we decide to go forth with the interview. So I contact the interview um, subject, we give them a call, we book it in, you know, that's flexible depending on um, the health state of the interview subject. We can do that with the family member. That's all booked in. They need to allow about three to four hours. And I talk them through the process. We have a little explainer about things they might be scared about or nervous about. And then I go back, I have a little pre-research interview that I send out to the family. I have a chat with them about their family member to find out why they want the audio story, really fantastic stories that they need captured and important information that an interviewer has to have before they go and and talk to somebody about their life. Then on the day, we turn up with our professional mics and our really happy smile, the background information, and we just simply sit them down in their comfortable spot. We mic them up and I just talk them through the story of their life. We sometimes use photographs as an aid. We have little breaks if we need to. People are often surprised that it takes three to four hours, but it normally takes three hours and 22 minutes, Sky, is my scientific (laughs) um, explanation on that, yes. And then what happens is we ask them for their favourite kind of genre of music and then we go away and we sound edit it and then we kind of deliver it. Well, your listeners will know what a podcast is. Sometimes the people I interview don't. So I tell them it's like a radio program that only their family can hear. We go away and we turn it into a private podcast. So we have the little podcast host. We have about three or four little half an hour episodes, which that though that family they can share the link to all of their family and it lives on and because people don't always understand podcasts we also provide it as an mp3 file and we even have a little usb little nice you know it's all in a nice box and and everything like that and we're just starting to provide transcripts of the interview as well what's it like you must hear some fascinating stories It's really beautiful. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews at the moment and every time I sit down and I stop as an interviewer, you know, I have to, you know, I turn my phone off clearly and go offline and all of that. And you just get immersed in someone else's world. You yourself slow. The people I've met are just so interesting I because I'm in Albury, but I mean, I do interviews in Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane and all of that. But the beginning in particular, I've interviewed a lot of regional and rural Australians. I've interviewed a lot of farmers still on farm or in town. I've driven to places I thought I would never see. I actually interviewed quite a lot of people over the age of 85 Mm. which is remarkable they're my kind of favorite well they're all my favorites but some of my interviews prefer the earlier younger people but you give me a 90 year old and Mm. I am a happy lady I always ask them for their life advice my final question is always let's project for forward like 15 20 years and they always laugh and go god I hope I'm bloody gone you know (laughs) what life advice do you have for them it's a beautiful moment 
And the life advice is often pretty similar. It's take advice from people, listen to people, be kind. It's often about being kind. It's often about doing what you want to do in life and achieving, but making sure that you don't hurt anybody else along the way of that achievement. It's really what interesting. A gift. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I love the privilege of being able to sit down with anyone, you know, have an hour of their time with undivided attention for older people. I just think it's so much more special because we just, we live in such a different world now but their advice and wisdom is still so sage and relevant. I find it amazing. And so, but I also bet it's very exhausting for you. Is it like that is a long time to be doing an interview? Yes. So I only do one interview a day. We only do one interview a day. And yeah, your three hours interview by the time you get there. I always love it, but I didn't realise for at the beginning how much it took out of you. And obviously, like everybody in their in their businesses or, or doing what they're doing in work, I've gotten better at those long form interviews as years have gone on. Mm. Mm. You sound like you have a team around you, do you? I've got a couple of interviewers that I use in Aubrey when we get interview overspill and they're wonderful people. They're journalists and theatre professionals. I've also got one based in Adelaide who does Adelaide interviews and I'm looking for more interviewers. So if anybody's listening that thinks they'd like to, you know, it's just contract work paid on a per interview basis. But I encourage any of your avid listeners that think, yeah, I could do that to reach out because what I'm doing is I'm getting a lot of interview bookings around the country and it's getting more and more difficult for me to go to them and I want to be able to employ an army of a lasting tale interviewers around Australia is that is the aim and so just sending out listening to life stories I also use a magnificent um, sound editor in Melbourne Fran she's just awesome so I've got Fran and the sound editors I've got uh, business mentors here and actually um, my husband has come on board as well on a part-time capacity just this year uh, so that has ramped up the the real pressure for a lasting tale to really become a really viable kind of sustainable business in the long term and it's also provided it's really great he's an accountant and you know a business analyst and stuff so it's it's provided a real kind of commercial uh, background to a lasting tale and it's also provided a few really interesting discussions <laughs> between us as we learn to work together yeah <laughs> Oh, that's awesome it's been challenging at times <laughs> I can imagine I I admire you because it sounds like you really um have found something that you love to do but you are you do take a very serious financial sensibility approach to it to make sure that it isn't is more than just a love project that it can make money too is that right yeah, that's right, Sky. Like, I, I mean, I suppose by providing the mobile app, which is free and the really low cost questions, it's important to me that everybody has access to, to a lasting tale. But for a lasting tale to exist and for me to be able to work on it, I need to provide that premium service to subsidise the lower cost things. And also, so this is a business and we can move it on because I love doing this. Uh, but of course, if you have something that is financially unsustainable, I, I, it's very difficult to 
to sustain it with the passion and the hours that you need to put into this. If a lasting tail became a passion project again, I would have to dramatically reduce the people that I interview. I mean, ideally, in a uh, my kind of dream is that in ten years' time, a lasting tail is a really, you know, it's it, it's a very good, solid business, and that. At, and that it is supporting my family and my community and that I am no longer needed to interview for paid interviews and I can go around and do as many free <laughs> interviews as I like and go and, and, and put those stories out there as well. Love it. Are you surprised at how wonderful it is to do audio interviews? Yes, I am surprised. Uh, I don't come from an audio background. I'm a writer and an editor. And I did video production in my early career, actually. I worked on some corporate videos and you learned how to script writing and all those really necessary editing skills. And then I just fell out of it, as we do, and got more onto the writing side and the, and the education side. So it was magnificent to get back into production and get into this audio space. I, I never, I suppose when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a, a journalist on, on the TV and stuff. And, and I didn't do it. I, I think I had quite a bad stutter back then as a child, and I'm not saying it was a problem, but when you look back, it probably stepped me more towards the writing side and less towards the talking side. Mm. Of course it did. And now that, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older and more confident and it doesn't matter if you have a little stutter anyway, who cares? Now that I'm old and grey, I love the fact that I can go back and 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 get into the audio because I love to talk so (laughs) oh I love it I just I I love audio too I just think it is a very powerful medium that through projects like this is really only just starting to sort of realize its potential and other people are through podcasting initially but yeah just starting to realize how much connection you can have through the spoken word even without images yeah, don't you think? Like I find, I mean, obviously, obviously I'm dying to ask you about a million questions right now about <laughs> how you got involved and, and all that kind of thing. I'm stopping myself. <laughs> but I think that is amazing how the world of audio is just opening up and what you're doing and what I'm doing, we're plugging away in this new world, knowing that one day, and it's getting there really soon, it's just going to be like taking a photo. Yeah, exactly. Jim, tell me, you've alluded a little bit about to your childhood, but where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? And I'm interested to know why you wanted to be a journalist. A lot of your listeners I know, uh, you know, this is a focus on regional and rural women, but I'm a townie. I mean, I have to confess, never grew up on a farm. I love townies. There's yeah. no, um, there's no <laughs> prejudice here. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm a proud townie. So I grew up in Wagga Wagga, right in the centre of town. I'm the youngest of a really large family, eight children, and the much youngest. So that was a really fantastic experience. I had a very quiet house sometimes with me and my 
my elder sister and my mum and dad uh, I, and there were a couple of others but as I went through so sometimes our house would be very quiet and then all of my brothers and sisters would come home and bring their own children and their partners and all that and then um, and then it would be like super loud and full of like 25 30 people <laughs> yeah so in some ways I read a lot very into reading uh, quite a quiet child really lovely lovely parents oldest parents in town just grew up there my whole life really stayed in the same house and and went to school there and then um did what lots of country kids do like just was like I am getting out of here Mm -hmm. Uh, left Wagga at 17 after school went to uni in Canberra then went to Sydney worked for about a decade as I said in like editing and writing went back and did adult education production all that kind of field hilariously met a boy at a Wagga person's party in Sydney at the town hall in Newtown, great, great seedy old pub. And he was from Wagga Wagga, a few years above me at school. So I didn't really go far in the end, married him. Never do. (laughs) So most of my brothers and sisters are married people from regional, I think all of my in-laws from regional Australia as well, Mm -hmm. actually. So I did that. Then we uh, got married, moved to London, worked there for a few years. I started it as a freelancer in in London, actually, in 2008. I was actually pretty, there was no such thing as Upwork or um, Mm -hmm. gig economy then. So I feel like I accidentally (laughs) was a forerunner on that. But that's only because we landed after the GFC or just on the global financial crisis. And luckily my husband got full-time work straight away. But you'd be shocked to know that it was much wasn't a big impact in Australia but in London it was a pretty big impact Mm -hmm. and lots of people lost their jobs and you'd be surprised to know that nobody really wanted to give a full-time job to a recently married 31 year old Australian female Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) my husband got work a lot easier and uh, so I had to start out as a kind of I started contract work there and I've just plugged away at it and plugged away at it why did you want to become a journalist? Was there something? Oh, yeah, did you sorry. Say, did you I like got... watching the people on TV or? I wanted to become a journalist because we watched a lot of ABC mm-hmm. television. I wasn't really allowed to watch commercial television. My parents were highly involved in the local community and um, they were very well known in the local community. Uh, my father was in particular, and he was very interested in politics and news. And so we watched, and my, my, my older brothers and sisters were very interested in that. We, they would all come home and we would sit around and talk about politics and books and literature and movies and funny stories until you know I, I I remember falling asleep to them talking and talking hours into the night so we're that kind of family just we're interested in current affairs and the world around us and so I just watched journalists all the time you know and I thought I loved it I just thought that is going to be me but I got a bit scared I think so I didn't quite get there then and so tell me, um, Dim, about your life now in in Albury. Well, I yeah, live in Albury. I'm a townie. I live in the centre of Albury as well, uh, which is excellent. I love where I live. We've lived in Albury for 11 years and I feel really uh, supported by 
the Albury community. They've really supported a lasting tale, but also um, myself and my family. I've got lots of really good friends. My network of girlfriends here, not just girlfriends, I've got really good guy friends too. They've been so strong. They've given me a real sense of family and really stepped in and helped look after the kids. I have three children, 11, 8 and 6 two girls and a boy they all go to the local school down the road and I just balance really a lasting tale looking after the kids (laughs) and so give me a little bit of an insight into your day Dim when do you try and get up in the mornings and how does your day start well you did send me a pre-question on that sky and I thought about it and I thought how inconsistent I really am mm. so in an ideal world I like to get up at about 5 5 30 I always have a cup of tea always have a cup of tea always always from a pot leaf with lots of sugar you mm. know I, I just can't lose the sugar in my tea yet so yeah, I'm, I can't I'm oh can't you oh no. I think we're like such a dying breed I don't know we are <laughs> that is really rare you know I've lost yes. it from my coffee I've lost it from everything but I like it in my tea how about you yeah well I just can't quite lose it all together I have half a teaspoon in my tea a full one in my coffee and I think Ah. I'm always the I'm always timidly asking when I go to someone else's house oh may I please have a bit of sugar and they have to go and rummage through the back of the cupboard to find the sugar because no one has it anymore I know. I I totally know. I have to do that too. Never when I'm interviewing an oldie though, if they don't present me with sugar, I just move on. But I just drink it without the sugar. But in in a friend's house, I'm I'm like you. I'm like, um, do you have any sugar? And occasionally they're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, everybody's got sugar somewhere. <laughs> don't there. you have a baker cake? <laughs> yeah, come on. I know it's there. <laughs> Oh. I'm the same. Uh, but I um, love that routine of yours that you always have leaf tea first thing in the morning. That's a yes. gorgeous thing to do. And so I was laughing at this routine and I was thinking, so in an ideal world, I'm up at 5.30, I'm churning out an hour and a half worth of work and then everybody else gets up at 7 and we get, get out the door by 8.30 and then I'm either interviewing um, that day or back at the desk by you know oh well 8:45 after a coffee then uh, so that's the ideal world but sometimes that doesn't happen I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect you know if I've been doing lots of interviews then I I, I roll over <laughs> I can't I can't do it it's been really cold as everybody knows and our gas heaters on the blink which actually makes our bedroom really really cold and I tell you what it takes a lot of strength of character to think yeah I'll just power out an hour and a half worth of work so I suppose what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm not pretending that I do that all the time but my life is better when I do that all the time and if I don't do it then I have to work later at night which I do do so if I'm working late at night then that's a roll-on effect and I'm Mm. up at seven I do uh, try and go to the gym one morning a week and I walk the dogs. That's that. That's my exercise. I suppose sometimes for me, the exercise is dropped off. Actually, do you find that on your good days when you yep. when you do get up at five thirty that you hit the afternoons and you are tired? And how do you overcome that, or do you just power through? No, I just power through. 
really. Uh, yeah, I just power through. Uh, maybe I sneak a little bit of the kids' afternoon tea, Sky. But I do find that by doing that, I don't have to work after dinner. You know, like if, if I get up early and do some work, I don't have to work after dinner and that's better. I mm. feel better. I think if you do do that too many mornings in a row, like when I'm really powering through, if you're up working, you know, 5, 5.50, I like to be at the desk at 5.30. Uh, if you're up doing that too many mornings in a row, maybe I'm a bit cranky at the kids, which is unfair. We all get cranky at the kids. Don't yeah. <laughs> in the evenings, what do you like to do? How do you kind of wind down or do something nice for yourself? Oh, Sky, it's pretty boring stuff, really. I like to have a wine. Last time I checked, there was sugar in wine, Sky, so it is okay <laughs> to still have sugar in your cup of tea. I like to have a wine, obviously not every night. I like to have, um, you know, the mandated alcohol-free days so I can maintain my sense of wellness and just feel like a decent human being. We all have rules. I like to do that. I like to read books. If we're talking, not not every night, of course, but if we're talking about how I like to relax, I find that if I don't get a chance to read a bit of book and not fact books like a, a story, if I don't get a chance to read a book, that's like other people not being able to go for a run or not being able to do meditation or it took me a long time to place the same value on my love of reading as other people place on their need to exercise or their need to knit or something. Mm. It took me a long time to realise that reading is a valid form of hobby and mm. relaxation as well. So if I don't get a reading, I it impacts my mental health. You know, like if like if I decide to work late and then just, you know, scroll a bit before sleep, which we all do, it's just in the end, it just doesn't work for me. So, so I try where, to do that. Where do you read? I read uh, in bed at night before I go to sleep. If my husband gets disturbed by the lamp, then I sit up in a chair and I read. On the weekends, my ideal thing to do, if I can possibly do, is to sit on my front veranda in summer or this inside chair in winter and read with a glass of wine at 5pm for half an hour. Oh, that, that would be my so ideal. <laughs> yeah. But I also love, and now the way to relax is to, you know, see my friends and have a chat. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of books do you love reading? I did English at university as well. I've read a lot of the great literatures and I don't really read them now. <laughs> You've done your time. I've done my time mm -hmm. on that. And uh, I think that when you're reading that kind of stuff in your 20s, you've got so much time to immerse yourself in that, like to go, yeah, that's so amazing. But I don't really have time to immerse myself in that. I'm not a snob about that, actually. I love crime novels. I've been reading lots of really good Australian crime novels, actually, which I've got on my list of books to promote um, local Australian authors. There's some great Aussie crime authors out at the moment. I've just read um, Lessons in Chemistry, which is really good. I am in a book club. We always have great books. I'm an avid listener of Chat 10 Looks 3 and read books from there. I just read anything. And Dean, what about podcasts? Are you actually a, a consumer of podcasts? Well, Sky, I don't know where you're at with podcasts. I used to be a massive consumer of podcasts. Loved them. Uh, Conversation Hour, Chat 10 Looks 3. I've really turned off true crime podcasts, actually. I, I really went through a phase of listening to them. 
But now I think actually I don't really listen to podcasts very often. I listen to the news. I've listened to AM and PM ABC podcasts to keep me up to date because I don't get much time to watch the news or even to watch much television in the week, actually. I do that. But I have noticed that as my interview schedule feels and I listen to people's stories for three or four hours a day and I'm often driving, I can't really listen to a lot of podcasts at the moment. I'm listening. I'm back listening to lots of music. Just to wind down or nothing at all, I find is quite good. I find that too. So when I'm editing or checking program, like I used to listen to chat a lot when I worked and now I sit and work in silence. How about you? Yeah. 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 If I'm having trouble getting going, I'll put some music on, mm. especially writing, and then I'll hit it and then I'll turn the music off. So in ending, Dim, it's been so nice to learn about a lasting tale and also about what you love and what drives you. But I just need to know, like, if anyone's interested in utilising your services, what's the best place to find you? And where do you hope for a lasting tale to go in the next couple of years and grow? The best place to find me is www.alastingtale.com. You can also Google a lasting tale, T-A-L-E as in tale the story. You can Google it and I'm there. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at A Lasting Tale. You can even follow me on YouTube at A Lasting Tale. So I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, If you go to the website, you can contact me directly through my number and um, email address there. And I'm, 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 I'm really happy to talk to anybody at any time about the life stories of the people that they love. Where do I see A Lasting Tale being in five years' time? I see A Lasting Tale having a army of freelance interviewers based all around Australia and we're just interviewing people for their audio life stories all across this world. I want A Lasting Tale to be the place that people think, wow, God, I love that story from mum or grandma. How do you think we we should record that? And I want somebody to go, oh, you go to a lasting tale and you you find out how you can record their personal history. That's where I want a lasting tale to be. We also are starting just to run these really cool programs. We're doing one with Finley High School. So it's year 10 students from Finley High School. And every week they use our mobile app to go out and record the life stories of a paired resident at Amaru Aged Care in the country town of Berrigan. And it's always been my dream that we could use the other tools of a lasting tale to go and record the life story of every single elderly Australian, including those in aged care uh, and including those that might not have family members to record it and including those that can't afford to pay. And so this program between the students and the residents is just so beautiful to watch. Um, They're recording their life stories, but They really like each other. The Year 10 students have already asked how they can continue visiting their residents after this program is gone. And I really am taking that program. We're doing a a little um, video and report of that program at the moment. And I want that program to go into every single high school in Australia, starting uh, with New South Wales 
and we're going to be rolling out more pilots after Finley High School into the Albury region and the Wagga region. And it's so beautiful. And actually, I encourage people to follow A Lasting Tale on Instagram just to follow along with the story of these fantastic Year 10 students and their elderly people. Such a good idea, all of it. Well, hopefully this helps to get the word out a little bit more. And yes, I'll definitely be interested in checking out that program that you've got running. And thanks so much, Dim. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And thanks for talking with with me on my podcast. Thank you, Sky. I love your podcast and I feel really thrilled that you invited me along. I hope that all of my uh, weird tips about having a routine and then never actually doing <laughs> what you say in your routine and just, you know, running from one task <laughs> to another and thinking, oh my God, I wish I'd gotten up this morning and done what I was meant to do. I hope that resonates with everybody. <laughs> I'd never met or spoken with Dimity before this interview, but I just have a feeling we're going to be buddies after it. For one, she has sugar in her tea, just like me. And secondly, we both love recording stories, especially with those who have seen worlds, experiences and times that I personally have no concept of. Recording these stories is so important. You can find Dimity at A Lasting Tale on Instagram or alastingtale.com online. There'll be more from Dim and her love of books in this week's newsletter, which you can sign up for on my website, mansonpodcasting.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back with you next week with a fun interview with Oak Magazine's Kimberly Furness. Hold up. 